We had a good day yesterday, didn't we? <clears throat> yesterday we covered four very great and weighty principles of the body. I just remind you of those four. The first one was the oneness of the body, the unique oneness of the body of Christ. And then we covered the function of the body of Christ, which is to express Christ. Then two more critical uh, principles, experiencing the work of the cross for the body. I appreciated some of the prophesying on this point. Some, one of the saints pointed out that it's the, it's the work of the cross that we experience, the operation of the cross. That was very helpful. Then uh, another... I don't have an adjective. It's so important, I can't give it an adjective. It's fellowship. Living in the unique fellowship of the body. So those those were spoken in a wonderful way yesterday, I think. The Lord really was with us. And today, we want to cover three more important principles. I wouldn't say they're I wouldn't say that one is more important than the other. Actually, as Brother Michael shared with us yesterday, you have to look at these as one whole. It's it's one every principle is dependent on the others. Actually all of them are dependent on the first one which is the oneness of the body. So we, we just have seven here. It doesn't mean these are the seven most important ones because they all depend on one another, just, just to be clear. Um, <clears throat> let's read the title of Message 4 together. So here are three more principles, and on the outline there are three Roman numerals, one for each of these three principles, and I'd like to tell you where these come from, because as we said yesterday, this conference, you can't get it in one weekend. This conference, this, these, uh, this kind of content needs our further pursuit, so I would recommend to you a book by Watchman Nee called The Mystery of Christ. Much of this outline comes from that book, and the utterance there is tremendous. It's a small book on the body of Christ. Sometimes the small books are the most profound, like the one Michael had us read, Practical Points Concerning Blending. It's actually quite a short book. But if you read it, you'll realize, oh my goodness, I need to read this about ten times. That's the way the mystery of Christ is. Okay, we're going to get right into this outline for the sake of time. Can we read Roman numeral one together? Jesus Christ, typified by the 
The first point, the supply of the body. What a positive, wonderful point. Uh, The supply of the body is spoken of in Philippians chapter 1, talking about the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever wondered why we say that that's the supply of the body? It sounds like the supply of the Spirit, doesn't it? Well, listen, the supply of the Spirit is in and for the body. And Paul was enjoying the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ through the intercession, through the petition of the body. So even though he was isolated in prison, physically alone, he was living in the reality of the body. How? By receiving the supply of the body. You know, you can be stuck at home, sick, or you can be by yourself somewhere and still be in the reality of the body of Christ as long as you're receiving the supply. Hallelujah! And there's an Old Testament type of this supply that's more than wonderful. In Exodus chapter 30, I'm not going to expound the compound ointment, but I want to point out something that we may not be so clear about. You know, after Moses made the, the, the compound that Jehovah had given him the, the, the ingredients for, we know that that ointment was for the anointing of the priests, right? And it was put on the head of the priest, and it ran down, like it says in Psalm 133, right? That ointment first was on the head, it ran down to the body. So this is a picture that the, the ointment is not only for the priests, it's for the entire body. And I don't know if you remember this from Exodus, but they put that ointment not only on people, they put it all over the tabernacle. You know, the tabernacle would have been a messy place because they put that ointment on everything. Another picture that the, this, this supply of the Spirit in the tabernacle means in the body. That's where this supply is. If you feel that you are short of supply, what should you do? Go to the body. We always get short of supply when we try to do it individually. And then we, we come to the point where we realize, I'm getting dry. Why am I so dry? Then we fellowship with the brothers. Brothers, I feel so dry. And as soon as we get with the brothers, what happens? The supply comes. It, it, it never fails. That's where the supply is. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need a personal, individual time with the Lord and in His Word and in prayer. Of course we do. 
Of course we need that every day. That's our individual feeding on the Lord. That's our eating of Jesus so that we will live because of Him and have a God-man living like He had. Of course we need that. But right now we're talking about a principle of the body. One of the principles of the body of Christ is that's where the Spirit is. That's where the all-inclusive, life-giving, compound Spirit is. That's why when we come together, we experience it so much more. I enjoy the Lord every day in the Word of God. I really, really do. But I'm just one person. When I come together with you, it's like, an, it's like a, a waterfall. I'm just standing under Niagara Falls. I, I, the supply in the body is so, so much more, isn't it? And listen to this. Let me say something on the other side. If you leave the body, you leave the supply. Even for a period of time. This is why we said yesterday, no divorce. Don't leave the body. Look at your body. What if my right arm just said, you know, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Well, my right arm now, because it left, has no supply. None. If it would just be attached to the body, it gets everything. But... If it's detached from the body, nothing. It's all or nothing. You either get all of the supply or none of the supply. If you're attached to the body in a proper way, you get it all. And if you're detached, you get zero. Which one would you like? All or nothing? Me too. So stay Properly attached to the body. Which means stay in the church life. Stay in the church life. That's where, that's where we are connected to the universal body. We may live in a small city. We may have a small church. But that's our connection to the universal body of Christ. And that's our joining to the supply, to receive the supply. It's wonderful. Okay, A says, the compound spirit is in the body and for the body. Did you know that? That's where the compound spirit is. In and for the body. The reason my arm can get the supply of my body is that it's in my body and It only exists for my body. That means we need to live in the body. We also need to live for the body. That means we live a life like we described yesterday. And the whole fifth meeting after this one will talk about our living, how to live for the body and in the body. But that's where we can get the supply. B, according to Psalm 133, the inestimable goodness and incalculable pleasantness of brothers dwelling together in oneness is likened 
to the compound precious ointment. How, how good it is to be with you all. How pleasant it is. It's like the compound ointment. It's like the all, all-inclusive life-giving spirit to be with you all. It's wonderful, isn't it? I mentioned to the brothers the other night, you know, in Psalm 133, it says, how good it is, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together. The Hebrew word for dwell, shevet, means to sit. It means to sit together. Hey, we're sitting together. That's why it's so good and pleasant here. And when we sit together in this way, the ointment and the dew come down. It's our experience every time, isn't it? So that ointment is for both the head and the body. See, here's an important point. We receive the supply of the Spirit by the intercession, number one, And number two, the fellowship of the members. Okay, this is part of our being properly related to the body of Christ. It involves intercession. It also involves fellowship. Look at Paul. He wrote a letter of fellowship to the Philippians from from prison. And they interceded for Paul. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. You know, if you, you or I had written the book of Philippians, you know what Philippians 1.1 would have said? Get me out of here. That would have been Philippians 1.1. And then if we, if we wanted to be a little more spiritual, we would say, pray that I may be released from this prison. But Paul said, Dear saints, please pray for me that while I'm in this prison, I could live Christ and magnify Christ. In other words, I'm in the prison, you're outside, I need your intercession so that I can live in the reality of the body while I'm in prison. It's beautiful. Intercession and fellowship. When we are, let's, how about this? There's six subpoints under point C. Let's read those together. We'll alternate. Brothers number one. Sisters?
I like to say something about these last two. You know, in Psalm 73, there is a, a seeker of God who is perplexed. He's perplexed when he looks at the world situation. It seems like the wicked are prospering and the righteous are not. And he's, he's in darkness because of this. But then he enters the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, he receives the light. I read a little bit to you from Psalm 73. When I considered this in order to understand it, it was a troublesome task in my sight until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. When he entered into the sanctuary, the light came. He realized the wicked are only prospering for a short time. What about their end? And what about the end of the righteous? Oh, that's what happens. It's like walking into a prophesying meeting, isn't it? You, you have a little bit of understanding, but not much. Then the saints begin to speak, and all the... All the sight comes. All the light comes. I love. Don't you love the prophesying meeting? I mean, I, this is a ministry meeting, so I, I, I'm speaking longer, but I'm no different than you. When I sit in that prophesying meeting, I, I give my, my two-minute prophecy, and then I listen to all the other saints, and everyone has seen something I didn't. I didn't have. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, right before this meeting, the brothers were fellowshipping, and we were having good prayer and fellowship. And then we said, what hymns should we use? And one brother said, let's sing 86. Another brother said, let's sing 203. Another brother said, let's sing 1081. Those three hymns our summary of this conference. It's incredible. This is how the body operates. We, nobody has everything. We all have a little bit. But when we put together what we all have, it's perfect. It's better, it's better than any one of us could have come up with. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it really is. Okay, then point six. There's a very important word in point six. Pay attention to interdependence. Interdependence means I need you and you need me. We need each other. We are interdependent. Um, Nobody is so strong that they don't need the other members of the body. Don't think that. You might say, oh, brother so-and-so, he doesn't need the body. Don't you believe that for a second? You know, the apostle Paul needed a spiritual mother in the body of Christ. He needed the mother of Rufus. I don't know exactly what she did for the apostle Paul, but I I can guess that she prayed a lot for Paul. Paul, no matter how great 
an apostle he was, he really knew he depended on the body all the time. Uh, look at the book of Second Corinthians. He, he, tells, he opens the book of Second Corinthians by telling the saints, you've got to pray for us. You don't, you don't know what kind of affliction befell us in Asia. It was so bad, we despaired even of living. Does that sound like a powerful apostle who doesn't need any help? So we are always dependent on each other for our whole life. That's what it means to live in the body. Look at your physical body. It's interdependence. Every member depends on all the other members. Every single one. That's, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, for time's sake, we go on to Roman numeral 2, which is the second item in the title, the members of the body. Can we read Roman numeral 2? Members cannot live in detachment from the body. A brother in my locality was working on a construction site, and there was an accident, and his little finger got cut off. I mean, like right at the bottom. And... Of course, he was in great pain, but he wanted to find that finger. So he looks around, he, he finds the finger, and, and then they took him to the hospital, and they tried to reattach the finger. Too late. A member separated from the body, even for a short time, can't survive, cannot survive. Do, do we have this realization I, 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 I can't exist outside of the body because what am I? I'm a member. I'm not a complete whole. I, 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 I'm a, a little tiny part of this body. And you take me out of the body, I die. I die immediately. All of us know saints who were really good. I, I was fellowshipping with Brother Rolf yesterday. I won't, I'm not going to name names, but he and I were fellowshipping about brothers we had known. Very, very gifted brothers. While they were attached to the body, and the minute they got detached from the body, they lost everything. And these are, I'm talking very gifted ones. But the same applies to all of us. You take me out of the body, I'm in real big trouble. So we need to see ourselves not as a whole. I'm not a whole. I'm just part of something. I'm one little part of something. That's the members. That's the members. So we don't have an individual life. We have a member life. I mean, this is a poor example, but I'll use it. 
Um, all of us have a family. When I see you, I see an individual. But you're not only an individual. You're part of something, and you know you're part of that. You're very conscious that you're part of that. This is how we need to see ourselves in the church life. Yes, I'm an individual believer. Praise the Lord. I believe in the Lord. I got regenerated. But what that regeneration did, it made me a member. It made me a member. That's what it made me. Not a complete whole, just a member. A says, every believer is a member of the body of Christ, and every member is indispensable. Indispensable means the body cannot live without you, and it needs you. You know, Brother Michael is a doctor. I, I, I might say something wrong, Michael, so you, you might have to help me. But, you know, my, I have an older brother. He had appendicitis, and they took out his appendix, and he's living just fine without his appendix. Just fine. I don't believe there's an appendix in the body of Christ. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think there's one single member, you take it out of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is okay. Brother, you're not an appendix. We can't live without you. I really mean it. I really mean it. Now, the verses we read at the beginning uh, of this meeting, let me remind you of those. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 and 1 Corinthians 12, 21. These two verses together show us two, two wrong concepts, two erroneous concepts that we as members might have. So Paul, in this revelation of the body in 1 Corinthians 12, he exposes two, two concepts. And these are very important to get. The first one is in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is not that because of this, it is not of the body. Okay, the, 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 the language is a little uh, difficult in English. Um, but what is this verse telling us? A foot should never desire to be anything other than a real nice foot. A foot should never say, I should be a hand, but I'm a foot. So because I am not a hand, forget it. Forget it. I'm not going to function because I want to be a hand. What is that? That is to despise your own function, which was given to you personally and especially by the Lord himself. You despise that. And you covet the function of another brother or sister in the body of Christ. That's an erroneous concept. Now, forgive me, I'm going to speak frankly. 
every one of us at some time has had that concept. Haven't you? I have. Um, But it's a wrong concept, so we need Paul's word to adjust us. Then there's another problem. 1 Corinthians 12.21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The head. I think we can all agree that the head is the most important part of the entire body. But the head needs the feet. If I had no feet, my head would be laying on the floor right now. You have to have feet. So this great member, the head, cannot say to that lowliest member, the feet, which sometimes stink. I don't need you. No, you need them. You need the brothers and sisters that you think don't smell so nice. You need the feet. And if you think that you don't, you'll find out that you do. You will find out that you do. So this is the opposite extreme. I am an all-inclusive member in need of none of the other members. Be careful. Number one, you're not the head. Number two, you're not an all-inclusive member. You might be an all-inclusive foot, but you're not all those other members, and you never could be, and you shouldn't want to be. Brothers and sisters, let me give you a little personal testimony. Um, Michael shared yesterday that you will discover your function in the body of Christ when you have grown sufficiently in life. Didn't you say something like that? Okay, a little baby is born. Uh, I, I am particularly fond of Adrian's little baby because I got, I got to know this infant right at, after birth. Well, we, when we look at that little baby, what's he going to be? A doctor? Uh, a great musician? Uh, a PhD? What, what an, an artist? What's he going to be? He's going to be something, but we, we, we don't know. And he doesn't know. How are we going to find out? He's got to grow. He's got to grow. And then we realize at a certain point, whoa, this person has got this talent. Maybe, maybe he's an athlete. I don't know. I don't know what he is. It, it is manifested as we grow, isn't it? Well, if you had told me many years ago that I would, my function in the body of Christ would be to stand here and speak with you, I would have said, you are crazy. <laughs> you don't know, but I'm t- I'm gonna, I, let me tell you 
a little story about a brother who is very beloved to all of us. I'm going to tell you a story about Dick Taylor. I was new in the church life. I had just gotten regenerated. Brother Dick was one of the elders in my locality in Huntington Beach. I went to my first semi-annual training. It was on the book of Hebrews. I had never read the book of Hebrews. I didn't even know there was a book called Hebrews. (laughs) And there I am in the semi-annual training. And Brother Lee calls for the test. The church in Huntington Beach, come up for the test. And we all had to go, if, if you're in that church. Well, fortunately, the church in Huntington Beach at that time had 300 saints. So I got to the very back (laughs) so that there are 300 saints between me and the microphone. (laughs) So I'm sure that I'm not going to have to speak. And I got behind the biggest brother I could find. His name was Dick Taylor. Uh, I got behind Dick. Dick's in front of me and then all the... All the saints. Now, you know, Dick Taylor was an athlete. And he likes to use metaphors related to athletics. So while I'm hiding in the back, I feel a hand, a real strong hand, (laughs) grip my arm. And Brother Dick says to me, This is while a test is going on in the semi-annual training. Brother uh, Brother Dick says to me at the back of the the crowd, he goes, you're going to get in the game or you're going to sit on the bench? (laughs) Is that Dick Taylor? So I said, well, I said, uh, said, I'm planning to stay right here on the bench. And he says, no, you have to speak. I said, Dick, I said, I, I have no idea what this training is about. I just got saved. I don't understand anything. Listen to what he says to me. I'm a new believer. Listen to his word to me. He says, brother, when we minister the word of God, we cannot be subjective. I'm like, minister the word of God? Do do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) And then he practically carried me up to the microphone. I mean, he got behind me and pushed. And, you know, if Dick Taylor's pushing you, you're moving. (laughs) So I get up to the microphone. My entire body is shaking. (laughs) My knees... My arms. You think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. I was terrified. There were 4,000 saints in the Anaheim Convention Center. Well, fortunately, 
During the study time that morning, Brother Dennis Higashi and I memorized a footnote from the recovery version of Hebrews. Um, I didn't know what it meant, but I memorized it. (laughs) And when I got up to the microphone, and thank the Lord, he did did give me a good memory. I got up to the microphone. I'm looking out. I'm looking... (laughs) I'm looking out. I have no idea what to say. So I just recited the footnote. And, the, and when I said the very first line, all the saints said, Amen. I'm like, they actually think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Here's a little secret for the prophesying meeting. If you, speak, if you speak the words of the ministry, the saints will respond, they'll, and they'll say, hmm, wow, that's a good prophecy. <laughs> okay, I say this to tell you, and this is an honest testimony, I had absolutely no thought, no concept, no ambition, or anything <laughs> related to speaking. I wanted to sit in the back. But God decides what we are in the body of Christ. We don't decide. And the brothers don't decide. Who decided where you belong in the body? God has placed the members in the body as it pleases Him. That means you have a specific spot in the body of Christ chosen for you by God. And he's happy with it. It pleases him. So, when, and a, a, sec, a second testimony, then we'll go on. When we are doing, in the body of Christ, what our actual organic function is, the supply to do it is immeasurable. This is one way you know that you are actually fulfilling your organic function. Um, You know, I travel a lot, really a lot, to many, 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 many places. And, you know, it's not easy. (laughs) I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm, I'm giving a testimony. It's not easy. But you know what? The more I do it, the more supplied I am. I, I feel great. Uh, I feel way better than I have a right to feel. You know why? I'm, I'm just functioning in my organic function. And the more you do that, the more the supply of the body just comes and comes and comes and comes. And one way you know if you have exceeded your measure is there's not the supply anymore. Not the supply. So this is a subjective way of knowing, am, am, I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the body of Christ? You really can't analyze it, and, and you won't know. My foot probably doesn't even know it's a foot. It's just there being a foot, right? And you may not, don't, don't try to analyze, what am I in the body of Christ? What is my organic function? Pay attention to growing, and receive, receive the ministry to train us. 
And the result will be you will fulfill your actual organic function in the body of Christ. You will. You will. Okay, subpoints. B, if we truly see our position in the body, it will be as though we were saved a second time. This is a quote from The Mystery of Christ by Watchman Nee. What a strong statement. And I believe what he means by this. You know, every one of us remember our regeneration, don't you? And, oh my goodness, I had a dynamic experience of salvation. I really did. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'll never forget that. How could I forget that? It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my human life. But you know what? Seeing the body of Christ, you have to put it on the same level as your regeneration. That's how great an experience it is. And seeing yourself and your place as a member in the body of Christ, it's, it's at that level. It should be, that should be an experience that we, we talk about like we talk about our experience of regeneration. Those, okay, point C, those who see, the important word here is see, and this is a seeing we need to pray for. Those who see that they are members of the body will surely treasure the body and honor the other members. Okay, let's all read D together. Body consciousness comes from growth. You, you, can't, you don't get body consciousness by memorizing the 20 principles. That, it won't make you more conscious of the body. Well, it might. It might. I, I wouldn't despise that. But actually, the consciousness comes from the growth. The more we grow, the more we have the consciousness if uh, let's read these subpoints again, there are seven of them. Let's read them alternating, beginning with the brothers on number one. Good brothers, uh, sisters. Brothers. Just as we cannot be independent from the head, we cannot be independent from the body. Sisters. The enemy of the body is the self, the independent I, the independent me.
infusing the help of Christ. Together. So don't be an individualistic Christian. An individualistic Christian misses that huge, great supply that is in the body of Christ. Uh, Let me just emphasize a couple of these points before we go on. It says that the enemy of the body is the self. And that if we would build up the body, the self must be condemned, denied, rejected, and renounced. Remember Peter in Matthew 16. First, the Lord told the the disciples, I will build my church. And then he told them how he was going to build his church. He was going to go through death and resurrection. And Peter Out of a good heart, Peter said, No, no, you can't go to the cross. And what did the Lord say to him? First, first he said, Get behind me, Satan. He called one of his disciples Satan. And then he said, You need to deny yourself. That good, so-called good, intention that you just had, it's the self. And that self of yours, Peter, it's one with Satan. That's why I called you Satan. So deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Do what I'm doing. Go through death and resurrection. Come with me. Come with me to the cross. And what he needed, what Peter needed to deny there was his natural affection. You know, in the church life, it's very easy to have natural affection. Say, ah, oh, you know what? I just, I just like him. I just, I, just, I, just, I just like him. I don't know why, I just do. I just like him. But him? No. <laughs> don't like him. Both are natural. My like for him is natural. My... I like you. (laughs) My dislike for him is natural. I need to go through the cross so that my love for the brothers will be a love in resurrection and not according to my natural affection. No, I will just tell you, I won't give you any details, but recently some brothers in a certain place broke every single principle of the body. And you know what their excuse was? We meant well. We, we really had good intentions. If the Lord had been there, he would have said, get behind me, Satan. You think you're building the church? You're tearing down the church unless you deny yourself, unless you go to the cross. So that's why we emphasized yesterday so much the cross. It's a big principle of the body. You can't live in the body without the cross. You can't do it. Okay, then, on the positive side, we need, we need the other saints, don't we? 
And in Exodus 17, it's referenced here under, under small c. In Exodus 17, you have the case where Moses was interceding. And he held up his hands to intercede. He was sitting on a rock, and he held up his hands. But while he was interceding, he's, he's getting tired. Do you ever get tired during the prayer meeting? Do you ever get tired when it's time to pray? Yeah, always, right? We're like the disciples in Matthew 26. The Lord said, Let, let's pray for an hour. And they said, no, let's sleep for an hour. So while Moses is holding up his hands, his hands are getting tired. So Aaron and her come to lift up his hands. I really need the saints to pray. No matter how much I endeavor to pray, and no matter how much I do pray individually, uh, I, need, I need two brothers, one on the left and one on the right. Right? That's, that's, we need, it's a good, good example, good practical example of our need for one another. Okay, I'm going on to Roman numeral three now. Let's read that together. This is, now we're coming to the third point of limitation. Okay? Let's read three. Oh, this is a big principle. This is a big, big principle. It's very much related to what I spoke a moment ago about the two erroneous concepts in 1 Corinthians 12. But here, the reference is the one from 2 Corinthians 10.13. We will not boast beyond our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which the God of measure has apportioned to us to reach even as far as you. Paul, in his ministry and his preaching of the gospel, went to Corinth. And that was absolutely under the Spirit's leading and the Lord's guiding. So he could say that that's what the God of measure measured to us. But... We, we don't go farther. We don't go farther. And remember Acts 16? When Paul is traveling there, he said, was going this direction, and the Spirit of Jesus would not allow me to, to go further. So I tried to go another direction. It wasn't, again, it was not the direction of the Spirit of Jesus Finally, the last one was. And this means Paul was restricted by the indwelling Spirit, who is the Lord himself. In his service to the Lord, he was restricted. He, he wasn't wild. He didn't just go everywhere. He went where he was sent. And you know, in Romans 15, Paul mentioned Spain. And he says, I'd like to go to Spain. But he never did. The Lord never sent him to Spain. Brothers and sisters, in our service to the Lord, and even locally in our church life, we need to be limited by what the Lord 
apportioned to us, whatever that is. You say, how can I know what the Lord apportioned to me? Same way Paul could. You have the spirit of Jesus in your spirit. So pray. You know, the good thing about Paul in Acts 16 is while he's moving in one direction, he's contacting the Spirit. So the Spirit could stop him. Can you be stopped? (laughs) You know, it's a lot easier to go than to stop. The Spirit could stop Paul because Paul was contacting the Spirit. So that's how you... That's one way you can know. The other way you can know, I already mentioned, I'll repeat it. If you're going, if your service is the service in your measure, you will have all kinds of supply to do it. So when a saint comes to me and says, I've been serving on such and such service, but I'm just burned out, it's very clear to me they're not in the right service. Because if you're in the right service, the supply is there. That's, that's how you know. So let's follow Paul to follow the spirit of Jesus in our spirit. You know, even the Lord in his service, I like to mention this. It, the Lord in his service, he was limited by time and space exactly like you and me. In those three and a half years of his ministry, he had to sleep He wasn't omnipresent. He was limited by time and space. Now, everywhere he went, great crowds followed him. But how many people in his three-and-a-half-year ministry, how many people did he individually shepherd? What do you say? I would say... Eleven, I don't count Judas. But if you, want to, if you want to count Judas, you can say twelve. You know why? When you're limited by time and space, there's a maximum capacity you reach. You know, the picture of how many people we shepherd, it's like a human family. I come from a large family. My mother had nine children. But you don't see a family with 20 children, do you? You know Why? Nobody has that capacity. Nobody has a capacity to care for 20 children. In fact, I told my mother after my two children were born, I said, Mother, how did you ever do that? I said, I have two, and they're killing me. And you, you had nine. How did you do that? Well, even the Lord... What did he So, here's my point. How did the Lord know what to do in his service? We're talking about limitation in our service, and every one of us has a limit. How did he know? Well, we know from the gospels, the night before he called the 12, it says he spent the whole night in prayer to God. The whole night. And that have you ever spent the whole night in prayer? He did it not as God, but as man. And the content of his prayer is not recorded, but I think we could have a pretty good guess. Because as soon as the day broke, he called the twelve. So I believe 
he was asking the Father, Father, all of these people, all of these crowds, I'm one person. How can I spend my time? Because I'm limited in time. What should I do? And then the Father said, these are the twelve. Out of all the people that you heard you speak and that you know, followed you and gathered around you, spend your time on these twelve. Now, I would have never chosen any of those twelve. Would you? Knowing what you know today? No. But he didn't choose them. The Father chose them. So, brothers and sisters, in our service to the Lord, this is the way. We see a lot of needs in the church, don't we? I'm in a pretty large church. There's... I see a thousand needs. I can't meet a thousand needs. I can't meet a hundred. So how do I know what to do? I need to pray. Lord, I can pray for all of the needs, but I can't meet all of the needs. So I need to ask the Lord, how should I use my time in my shepherding of the saints? Even he had to do that. I hope hope we would do that. Even in preaching the gospel. Some of you are students. When I was a student, we had a training. Brother Lee told us, when you get to your class, there's 50 people in the class. You should pray, Lord, out of these 50, which is the one I need to preach the gospel to? I did that. I practiced that very much as a student. And I found out something. If you follow the actual leading of the Lord... You don't, you don't just go at random. Oh, here's a guy. No, pray. Pray. And when you follow the actual leading of the Lord, something happens. Because the Lord sent you to that person. You didn't just go to that person. The Lord sent you to that person. Okay, uh, let me go on. A, the A basic requirement for the growth and development of the body is that we recognize our measure and not go beyond it. But let me tell you something. Some of us, our problem is to go beyond our measure. A very large number of us, our problem is we don't fill up our measure. We have both, don't we? We have some. They actually have quite a measure. But... They don't fill it. So you go to Colossians 4. I love this verse in Colossians 4. Paul's writing, and then all of a sudden he says, Say to Archippus, Take heed to your ministry in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Archippus is a nobody. And Paul, but Paul knows him. He says, Archippus needs to function. You know, sometimes when the older brothers tell you, brother, function, function. They're like the Apostle Paul. Archippus, you have a ministry in the Lord. You have to fulfill it. So don't come short of your measure. That's a problem. The body needs your measure. And don't exceed your measure. When you exceed your measure, you're, you're like cancer. 
uncontrolled growth. We, we, we don't want to be a cancer in the body of Christ. Okay, let's read B together. The head... I like this word special. That's a quote from the mystery of Christ. Brother Nee uses this word. He also uses the word specialty. You know, in your service, you have a specialty. Nobody else has it. You know, like doctors, you have doctors, but then you have specialists. And I'm an accountant. I had a specialty in my profession. I, I, I'm not an accountant. I was, I was an accountant once upon a time. Um, every one of us has a specialty in the body of Christ. And God decided what that would be. Well, that's wonderful. That should cause us to do two things. Number one, it should cause us to realize whatever my function is, I need to do it. Because it's a specialty. And the other thing it should cause us to do is appreciate every member. Because all of them, all of them have a specialty. The, the reason you may not appreciate them is maybe you haven't seen their specialty yet. Or maybe they haven't functioned adequately yet. But believe me, they have it. God gave it to them. See, when we give a testimony about our work, experience, or enjoyment of the Lord, we must testify within measure that is within a certain limit. Although we expect the work to spread, we must learn to be under God's restriction. Like, like Paul in Acts 16, he was spreading the work, but he was restricted. He didn't just go in an unrestricted way. We should not expect a spread that is without measure. Okay, now let's read these five subpoints, Brothers, first on number one. So, three great principles. The supply of the body, the members of the body, and the limitation of the body. Okay, we still have some time for you to fulfill your ministry in the Lord, Archippus. We want to hear from many Archippuses. 